The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the June Leadership Learning Series call. My name is Patrick Fairman. I'm with the Sales Management and Leadership Development Team. We're very glad that you took the time out to join us on this call uh, on this afternoon. We know we had a very busy week. Saw many of you in Orlando. Uh, so thank you for taking the time to jump on this call. It's, it's an important topic today, and we have a very special guest with us, uh, Mr. Keith Rosen. Today, today's topic is going to be how to increase the efficiency and productivity of your team. Uh, part of that is is really you know increasing the efficiency and productivity for yourself as well. Uh, that really leads to helping your team. So think of that from both lenses today as we go through this. A little bit on your screen right now, a little bit more about Keith himself. Some of the highlights, he is the Chief uh, Evolution Officer, which I love that title, for uh, Profit Builders, is his um, uh, company that he works for. Inc. Magazine and also Fast Company named him one of the five most influential executive coaches in the world. Uh, also a, a very successful author, one of my favorite and most important books that I ever read from a coaching scenario, Coaching Sales People into Sales Champions. It is the number one best-selling sales management coaching book on Amazon for the past five years. And then also his new book, Own Your Day, which has been out, uh, I think, about two months now. And you're going to hear a little bit more about that today as we go through. One important notice that I want to share with you is that, as always, this the content that you see here on your screen as that we go through today, this is uh, content that, that we've worked with, uh, you know, our partners here and, and Keith with Profit Builders to provide to you, but it's not something that we have the ability to take screenshots of or use this in any other way. It's exclusive uh, IP uh, for just this presentation itself, so please refrain from doing that. Any use of this outside of that is, is not allowed at all. A quick reminder, use your question box today. Keith uh, agreed to stay on a little bit longer. So for those of you that need to jump off at uh, you know, the 35-minute mark, please uh, feel free to do that if you need to get on another call. But Keith um, made himself available to answer any questions. So as we go through today, please use your question box. Type those questions in that you'd like some more information on, and Keith's going to stay on and answer those uh, questions uh, towards the end of the call. So enough about me. I will go ahead and turn it over to you, Keith. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here. Good day, everyone, and welcome. I am very glad you could join us today for this value-packed webinar that will, over the next 35 minutes, will provide you with the additional tools as well as the inner game of time management that will make you a more effective leader. Now, while I spend a majority of my time working with managers so they can become elite transformational leaders and coaches, as good as you may be, whether you're a salesperson, a sales manager, or really anyone who falls under the umbrella of a people manager, all of your skills, your experience, and your value as a coach, when it comes down to it, the ability for you to impact and lead your team to live their fullest potential and maximize productivity, and that includes yours as well, all roads lead back to time management. So in my experience, the most pressing question that I find is how do you lead a team to their fullest potential in a rapidly changing marketplace with my changing business objectives so that I can 
manage my responsibilities, create more value, and do so in less time and have more fun. I know that sounds like a pretty tall order, but that's exactly the things that we're going to work on today. So moving right along here, I think that it's safe to say that as managers, uh, there's an albatross here that I find. Uh, uh, call it a leadership albatross, if you will. Uh, many managers, uh, we, we, we have these beliefs that actually get in the way of developing our team, managing our day, and achieving our business objectives. So let's explore this at a deeper level for a second. Uh, think about your day. Think about your team. Uh, what's the one thing that you hear over and over again when it comes to making more calls, booking more appointments, getting uh, certain uh, projects and priorities done on time, even for you? taking the time to consistently and effectively coach your team, the one biggest excuse that I hear is, Keith, I don't have the time. Well, this is the part that I'm going to challenge each of you on today. So the first part is really about the inner game of time management. Because it's not just what you do to manage your day, but it's also how you think. In other words, I know it sounds like a strange question, but think about your relationship with time. Does time enhance you or does it consume you? Do you work with time or are you always trying to beat the clock? And as you know, when it comes to beating the clock, between you and the clock, you know who always is going to win. So now think about a definition of a routine. Now I throw, the, throw that word out to all of my clients and when they think of the word routine, they think of something boring or monotonous or mundane or rigid or inflexible. And all those things, what we're going to be exploring today is the exact antithesis, which paradoxically will give you more freedom and flexibility. So building on that, and we're going to circle back to the definition of a routine and how you can create a highly effective one, I'm curious if you've ever heard this expression before. As you see it, it's probably going to be a rhetorical question for you. Time is money. I don't suppose anyone's ever heard that before. So I want you to think about this for a second, and I'm a very literal person. Is it really? Is time really money? In other words, do you invest your time like you invest your money? I'll share with you a quick example of this. I remember years back, I was uh, doing a, uh, a seminar, and uh, Joe Connolly, uh, who was an announcer for WCBS at the time, was sitting on the stage, and we're, we're going back and forth doing a Q&A at the end. And someone raises their hand and asks about, you know, Keith, you've heard this expression about time is money. What do you think about that? Do, you know, how do you, how do you manage your time like your money? I said, that's a really good question. And, and I asked the audience. And the audience was about 1,000 uh, CEOs, senior executives, VPs, uh, sales managers, frontline managers, people managers, really intelligent group of people. And I asked the audience, I said, I'm curious, how many of you, manage your money in some way. Whether you have a stockbroker, you have a financial planner, you manage it yourself, you keep your money under your pillow. How many of you manage your money in some way? Now, of course, as you can imagine, every hand went up. And then I asked the second question. I said, how many of you manage your money the same way you manage your time? In other words, how many of you have a daily routine that details the specific and measurable activities you need to engage in 
every single day that will not only move you towards your goals and business objectives and keep your life in harmony, but will allow you to achieve everything that matters most to you in your life. Not one hand went up. And that's when I knew I was onto something. You see, most of us don't treat our time like our money. And our time is the most valuable, non-negotiable commodity that we have. So I'm going to give you a model here. I think you might find it interesting. I call it your personal navigation system. And I write about this in my new book, On Your Day. In your car, we all have a navigation system at this point. And we use this navigation system to get to point A to point B in the least amount of time in the most efficient way possible. Well, each of us have our own personal navigation system as well. I'm going to give you an example of what I mean about this. When we're talking about time management, what we're really talking about here is self-management. Because the fact is, you really can't manage time. You can't fast forward it. You can't put it on pause. You can't rewind it. But what you can do is you can manage yourself. So I want you to consider the bigger picture for a second. You may have heard the expression begin with the end in mind. Well, I like to add to that. I want you to begin with the end in mind, which is the end result, your business objectives, the expectations. But then I want you to bring yourself back into today, into the moment. And that's the part where your routine lives. So here's a visual to help illustrate my point. What most people do, and what I find in most organizations, is that they start from the bottom up. First, they focus on the results, their KPIs, their business objectives. And then they say, OK, these are the things that you need to do every day. That's your activity. And these are the things you need to do every day so that you can execute on your strategy to achieve your goals and your business objectives. And then, by the way, if we're lucky, our values and our priorities are aligned with our goals. And then if we're really lucky, by just a sheer stroke of luck, that's aligned with our personal and our professional vision. Now, your company may have a corporate vision, but I'm also talking about the vision that you might have for your team, as well as your own personal vision. And maybe that's one lesson right now. Ask yourself. Do you have a personal vision? Do you have a personal vision that you share not only for yourself but for your family? Consider a vision to be a blank canvas. And there you are with the palette of every color. And you're painting what your ideal life, your ideal career looks like. That's your vision. Some of those things you may have presently in your life today. Some of those things may not exist today and you're working towards them. Regardless, it's still a snapshot of your ideal life. Unfortunately, the way we've structured this model does not work. Consider that it's really the other way around. We need to work from the top and go down. Your personal navigation system has to start with where is your final destination? Where are you ultimately leading yourself to? That's your vision. That's what you're aspiring most to accomplish and achieve in your life, both personally and professionally. And let's face it, there is no more personal and professional life anymore. The advent of technology has made it obsolete. There's just this thing called life. So there we are. If we're fortunate, we have a vision. If not, don't worry. You have an opportunity to create one. So now you have your vision. Well, you'll find as you write your vision, as a natural byproduct, 
your values and your priorities are going to be embedded in that vision. You're going to see and extract those values and priorities, the things that matter most to you, family, making an impact, adventure, creativity, collaboration, adding value, whatever those things are, those are your values, those are your priorities, and they're a reflection of your vision. Well, now think about this. You have your vision, now you have your values and your priorities, well, guess what? Now you can create goals that are aligned with your values, your priorities, and your vision. You see, if we do it the other way around, what we wind up often doing is creating the wrong goals for ourselves. I call them should-based goals, S-H-O-U-L-D. Well, I guess I should be doing this. But, and then we wonder why we're experiencing resistance or reluctance towards those goals. And I'm not necessarily referring to the goals that you might have for your business because your business objectives are your business objectives. I'm also referring to your personal goals where you have more control, more visibility, uh, more creativity around, more ownership around. So if you find yourself resisting your personal goals, chances are it's because they're not aligned with your values, priorities, and your vision. Now, regardless of your personal or professional goals, the goal itself needs a strategy. And that's the next layer. You have your goal, okay, how are we going to do this? What's the strategy for us to achieve our business objectives? Well, once you lay out your strategy, then what breaks down further is the activity, right? The activity is basically a manifestation of your strategy. What are the things that you're doing every single day? What are the activities that you're engaging in every single day that's going to then ultimately achieve the success and the results you need? And notice where those all live. All those activities have to live somewhere. They live in the bank, which is called your routine. So if you look at this visual here, all roads go back to time management. Your routine is a visual representation of your vision, your priorities, your goals, your strategy, and where the activity lives that you need to execute on every single day to achieve the very results and success that you all want. So let's keep building on this now. What I'm going to do now is, is go over for the next maybe 20 minutes or so with the time that we have left are some very specific winning strategies that you can execute immediately to own your day. Now, some of these things may seem to be very basic or common sense to you. The question you have to ask yourself is, am I doing it? So number one, treat everything as an appointment. Now, I'm a very literal person. When I say everything, I mean everything. I'm talking about when you wake up, you get ready, take your kids to school, have breakfast, commute time, emails, voicemails, returning messages, meetings, administrative work, things that you couldn't plan for, which we're going to get through in a moment, coaching your people, ride-alongs, customer visits, of course, coaching. If it takes up time, then you have to schedule it in your calendar and it becomes an appointment. Let's go a step further. One of the things I see managers really struggle with is, Keith, I have 10 people I'm managing or 15 people I'm managing. We have a great coaching conversation and then there's always a follow-up. And you know what? Sometimes I don't follow up and I'm having a really hard time remembering when to follow up. And you know the unfortunate cost there is, if you 
are coaching someone and they make a commitment to achieving something or getting done something done at a certain time and you don't follow up with them, think about the message you're sending them. The message you're sending them is, gee, I, I guess I don't have to be accountable. The other message is, I guess what I had to do wasn't important. And the third and real costly message, I guess I'm not important. So a great tip here is schedule your follow-ups in your calendar. To bring this all home, if you don't have the appointment, you don't have the commitment. So for any manager that's struggling to deliver consistent and effective coaching both in the field and out, if you don't have the appointment, if it's not in your calendar, you know there's always going to be something else that's going to get in the way. And that, to me, is devoid of a true commitment that every leader needs to make to their people. So moving along to, to tip number two, time blocking. And many of you may be familiar with this strategy. Basically, it's scheduling a certain amount of time in your day for each specific priority and task that you need to engage in. That's essentially the definition of time blocking. However, a further distinction I want to draw here is managing consistent activities as opposed to just managing a task. You see, if you look at your task list right now, there may be some things in there that you might not be engaging in every single day or every week or every other week. Okay, there might be things in there where I call them one-off tasks. You know, like you got to change a light bulb. You don't have to change a light bulb every day or every month or every week, nor do you know when you have to. So those are what I call just tasks. And then you have consistent activities. And those consistent activities, as I mentioned, too, can be daily, weekly, biweekly, monthly, or even quarterly. The point is they have a level of consistency to them. Those are the things that you need to build time blocks into your routine for. Those are the things that you need to schedule into your day. And if you look at your task list, I will guarantee you right now that there are things on your task list that you do on a more frequent basis. So in essence, they're really not tasks. They're activities that can actually live into your routine. So one of the points that I make in my book is to actually throw away to your, your to-do list. Now, before you hang up on this call, my point is many of the things on your to-do list are actually things you're doing consistently, which you could then bake into your routine. Now, I'm the eternal optimist here, but I'm also a grounded realist. I know how busy your day is. I know how many things are competing for your attention. You have conflicting, you have competing priorities, you have people pulling at you in every different direction. And because of this, managers and even salespeople, they plan for the worst because they want to try to fit everything into their day. And unfortunately, the day ends, and then we wonder why we didn't get everything done. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean. You have to do a proposal. The proposal typically takes an hour, but you think you can get it done in 30 minutes. You have an appointment with a customer that you're going out and see. You have to go out, visit a hospital, visit a, a doctor's office, and that's about, oh, 50 miles away. And you really think you can get there in 10 minutes. Come on. We have to be realistic with our time. 
We need to plan for the worst, and that's what I'm referring to, is really being realistic with how long things actually take. In other words, you can't drive from Washington, D.C. to New York in 30 minutes. You can't play a good round of golf in 20 minutes. It can't happen. So it's really about building additional buffer time into your day, into your activities, and being realistic with how long your activities and tasks actually do take. Another way of saying this is under-promising. You may be familiar with that term. If you under-promise, that is, promise to produce less than you think you can in the worst case scenario, you wind up building that buffer time in. And that's how you then over-deliver. Conversely, as aggressive as you may want to be with your time, and as much as you'd like to say, oh, I can get that done in five minutes, there aren't that many things that you could do that take five minutes. It could take you longer than five minutes to just draft an email. So if you're not careful and you tell people, hey, listen, I'll be with you in 10 minutes, when in actuality the task you're engaging in takes 20, you just over-promised and you under-delivered. And when you do that, whether you do it to your directs, to your reps, to your customers, that sets you up for failure and disappointment. So now let's look at number four, which to me is one of my favorite and the, the single most overlooked strategy which leads to time management and self-management failure. This is the number one reason why those who have tried to calendar a routine, this is exactly why it fails. And the reason why it fails is because people don't plan for the unplanned. I know that might sound counterintuitive, but let's break it down a little further here. I think it's safe to say we all strive for life balance. Now, many years ago, BC, before I had children, I believed in this concept of life balance. I believe that you can balance your professional life with your personal life and have that harmony and equilibrium. Okay, that's a pipe dream. Okay, the advent of technology has made this concept of true equilibrium, true balance, obsolete. My new definition of life balance is actually balancing the imbalances in your life. Sort of like this sometimes, isn't it? Okay, and it's, I want to replace the word life balance with things like you could bring more significance into your life. You can bring more harmony into your life and into your career. So building off that, I want you to now look at the numbers. How much time do you really have each day? Now, let's just throw out a number here. Let's say you work a 10-hour day. Most people, and it doesn't matter how brilliant they are or how many years they've been on the job, if they say they have a 10-hour workday, what most people do is they schedule 10 hours of work or activities or appointments in that 10-hour day. And what do you think happens at the end of the day? They look at their list and they realize they didn't get everything done. I don't suppose any of you have ever been in that position before in your life. I hope my sarcasm is translating. So now what we've really done is we've set ourselves up for failure and have given us the license to beat ourselves up and make ourselves wrong for not getting everything done that we scheduled into our day. We feel like we've failed in some way. But the reality is the only failure is not being realistic with how much time you really have in a day.
And that's why it's the externalities that get in the way of truly honoring all of your commitments every day and every week. So what's an externality? An externality is simply an external force at work. Those are the things that fly under our radar that we could not in a million years ever see coming or plan for. The only way we would be able to see these things coming is if we had a crystal ball or we're clairvoyant and we can see the future. These are the fires that you might be putting out in the day. These are the customer emergencies. These are the reps needing you immediately to help put out a fire or solve a problem. This might be a personal issue that you need to handle immediately. Externalities, things that throw you off your day but still need to be handled immediately because it automatically becomes priority number one. That's an externality. So here's where the mathematical equation comes into play. Let's say you have a 10-hour workday. And let's also say that, take an average here, three hours of your day are consumed with these externalities, things that you just couldn't plan for, but happen anyway. Do the math. How many hours do you actually have in a day that you could plan for? Not 10. The answer is seven. Because three of those hours are going to be inevitably consumed by other things that are outside of your line of vision and outside of your control. So you have a choice. You could either choose to fight what I just said and say, no, Keith, I need my 10 hours every day. You don't understand how busy I am. Well, good luck. How's that working for you? Or you could be honest with your day and say, you want to know what? Like it or not? I only really have seven hours a day where I can really focus on proactively and schedule. So keep in mind, another word for these things might be distractions. And what is a distraction? They're simply events that you didn't plan for. So the answer is plan for them. And you can either resist this or embrace this as the truth. I promise you now, you start planning for the unplanned, you will notice how exponentially more effective you will be at owning your day and managing your day to get everything done. So at the end of your day, you get to pat yourself on the back for a job well done. Now, a little bit of fine-tuning here. We've talked about th this definition of a routine. We've talked about uh, time blocking rather than creating a to-do list. We've talked about planning for the unplanned. We've talked about being realistic with how long tasks actually take. Now let's fine tune this routine. And I have this concept called managing your routine like a puzzle. Now, what do I mean by that? Actually, it's very simple. Here's a visual. Imagine if you have a puzzle in front of you. And in this puzzle, every piece is the exact same size and the exact same color. So wherever you move the pieces of the puzzle, the final picture will always be exactly the same. Think about your routine now. If you are scheduling the priority activities that you need to engage in on a daily or weekly or bi-weekly basis, and you're being realistic with your time and how long tasks actually take, and you're building in that additional buffer time to plan for your unplanned, your routine now doesn't become rigid. It actually becomes more flexible because you're being honest with your day, you're being honest with how much time you have, and now if you've time blocked effectively, if you have answer emails in the morning, if you have return calls in the afternoon, administrative work at the end of the day, well guess what? 
wherever you move those pieces around, it still totals to that 10 hours a day. So counterintuitively, by doing this and treating your routine like a puzzle, realize it actually gives you more flexibility in your day because you're only focusing on the activities that move you closer to your goals. So while the content of your routine may change, the foundation of your routine does not. It gives you more flexibility. So bringing this all together, many of you may have tried this before. I certainly implore that you do this yourself is take a day and just track your day. Whether you get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, or 4 o'clock in the morning, and you run your day until 6 o'clock, or 7 o'clock, or 8 o'clock, or if you want to include the personal time at night with your family as well, I want you to track your day. Take out a piece of paper, create time blocks for every maybe 30 or even 15 minutes or so, and write down every task, activity, externality, uh, things that take you outside of what you were planning on doing, write it all out, every single thing. I promise you, you will be shocked at A, how long things actually really take to do, and B, how much more you're actually getting done than you realize you're doing. This will then allow you to create the first version of your routine so it's as realistic and as effective as you can be because you've tracked your day and now you have a greater insight and awareness of all the things you're engaging in throughout the day. So giving you a visual here, you're either operating from reality or you're operating from a pipe dream when you're managing your day. Most of the time when I ask managers to send me over their calendar, this is basically what I see, maybe with a couple of meetings sprinkled throughout the day. And this right here basically tells me your calendar is lying to you. It is absolutely lying to you. It is misleading you because if you look at your calendar and you only see a few meetings here and maybe a coaching session there, what about all the other hours that you have throughout a day? Are you telling me that? their free time for you? Not at all. And that's why I say your calendar is lying to you. And unfortunately, this bleeds into another problem. And this is where we look at our calendar, we make a commitment to doing something or delivering on something. And because we're not being realistic with how much time we actually have, we put ourselves in a position where we wind up over committing and either failing on that commitment or working 24 hours a day to deliver on it. And that's the last thing I want for any of you here. So here's a more realistic picture of what an effective routine can look like. So here, and again, this is just a sample. This is not a reflection of your activity. This is not a reflection of your responsibilities. It's just an example of how one person scheduled their routine throughout their week. And if you notice, they've done a few things here. All of the things that we've talked about today. Number one, they've time blocked the priority activities that they're engaging in every day, every other day, or weekly. Number two, they've actually color-coded the similar activities that they're engaging in. So for example, if you know you're coaching your people at a certain time, or you're doing uh, field visits at a certain time, or if you're doing administrative work at a certain time, color-code it gives you a greater visual of exactly where your time is going. 
And finally, notice the white spots in this example of a routine. That's their buffer time. That's where this person is planning for the unplanned activities which will consume their day like it or not. This is what I want for you to create for yourself. Because when you have this, you will notice how full your day actually is. So now, your routine actually winds up protecting you. It protects your time. So when someone asks you, hey, listen, I really need your help on this project. Can you help me out on Tuesday? And it's Monday. You now can respond by saying, hey, listen, you know what? I'd love to help you out. Let me check my calendar and get back to you. That gives you the time to go back to your calendar, look at what you've committed to, go back to that person, and give them a realistic timeline of when you can truly help and support them without setting yourself up for failure and setting them up for disappointment. So what does this all look like now when you're coaching your people? See, right now we've talked about some really solid concepts and strategies that will allow you to take ownership of your day. Well, then how can you take these concepts and transcend them to coach your people and your reps around this so they too can master their day and be more effective and efficient every day? So what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do this very quickly, I'm going to go through a series of questions. Call it a coaching conversation. And these are questions that you can use as a buffet. In other words, take the ones you like and leave the ones you don't. Now again, I'm going to go through these questions pretty quickly. I'm going to rattle them off fast so you can hear them from me. But don't worry, as a special gift, I'm going to make sure that I email you these questions so that in your next conversation with one of your reps, you have a template that you can use to coach them around being more effective with their time and better managing their time for optimum efficiency. So the first thing you need to do is enroll them in this, right? You can't just walk up to the person and just start asking them these questions. I talk about the art of enrollment in Chapter 9 in my book, Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions. And enrollment is all about setting expectation, creating alignment, letting people know what your intentions are to ensure you have that buy-in that people are ready and open to have that conversation. So once you've done that and they understand what your intentions are, which are truly to help and support them, you can then move into these questions. And here they are. Number one, walk me through how you manage your day. Can you share with your calendar with me? Now, you can have them walk you through how they manage their day, but you need some visual representation. Don't just ask them how they manage their day. Ask to see their calendar. You need that visual. When I'm coaching my clients on how they can master their day, the first question I ask them is, send me over a snapshot of your week. Send me over a snapshot of how you manage your week. What does your calendar look like? And pretty much it looks like the blank routine that I shared with you earlier. So therein lies the coaching moment. Number two, how do you go about making the time to focus on your priorities? You see, as we go through these questions, you're going to realize something. You're either going to ask these questions to gather the true facts and uncover the coaching moment, or you're assuming all of these answers to be true based on what you perceive the truth might be. So eradicate your assumptions and ask these questions instead. Number three, how do the, 
time blocks, you have a line with your priorities and business objectives. And the reason why the word time blocks is in italics is because don't make the assumption they understand what the word time blocking actually means. You may want to ask them. So what's your definition of time blocking? Number four, what resistance, if any, might you be experiencing to creating a structured routine? Yes, I know it might come as a shock to you. Some people, maybe even some people on this call, might be reluctant to craft a structured routine. The question is, why? We need to get to the root cause here. What is the resistance? Well, it could be a bunch of things. Number one, it could be they, they don't believe in it. Number two, they have a misconception of what a routine is. Number three, they perceive it's going to be a lot more rigid and inflexible, which we talked about. It's actually the antithesis of that. It gives you more flexibility. Number four, maybe they had a bad experience and it didn't work for them before. Or number five, one of my favorite, maybe they're just adrenaline junkies and want to avoid having a routine. That's right, adrenaline and a routine is like mixing water and oil. It's, you can't do it. And if you're an adrenaline junkie, the last thing you want to do is have a routine that you're going to use to empower you and hold you accountable for your day. Number five. How effective are you adhering to your routine? Number six, how do you empower your routine to hold you accountable? That's right. There's the rep and the manager, and there's several levels of accountability. There's self-accountability. There's us as the managers, or our job is to be their accountability partner. But their routine can also hold them accountable, just like it can hold you accountable as well. In other words, if it's not on your routine, it doesn't need to be done because you've taken the time to put all your priorities into your routine as well as in counting for the externalities we discussed. Number six, what gets in the way of consistently honoring your daily routine? Number seven, number eight, how much of your routine includes all the priority activities you engage in each day? What would you like to have more time to do each day? What needs to change in order for you to honor all of your priorities? And one of my last and favorite questions, how can I best support you and become your accountability partner to ensure you're adhering to this so that you can achieve what matters most to you? Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say, how can I hold you accountable? I said, how can I become your accountability partner? That sounds a lot softer and a lot more um, open, people are more willing to embrace that because it talks about being a partner rather than being someone who's a directive leader or manager. And one of the things that you need to do in order to do this, and I know you're all advocates of this, is observe. And I'm not just talking about field observation. I'm talking about desk side observation. I'm talking about observing how they drive or how they facilitate a phone call. I'm even talking about how they craft and the emails that they send out their written communication. What does your desk look like? How organized are they? How do they organize their day? These are all additional opportunities to weave in observation so that you can really assess what your people are doing and most importantly, how they're doing it. You see, once you seek to understand and uncover the gap or their root cause, through the use of these open-ended coaching questions, then you can coach them around the gap you uncovered or the lessons you've learned and what you're modeling for them. Therein lies the coaching moment, not only for you to help 
them self-assess so they can uncover the gaps. But if they don't see the gaps on their own, that's the other part of coaching. It is your responsibility then to share an observation after you've uncovered what they know and what they don't, and you're now modeling what is possible for them to achieve with the best practices that we've discussed today. So remember that your daily routine influences your actions. Your actions are what shape your results, and your results determine your success. Just think about what your primary objective of a leader is. What is your primary objective? No, it is not to hit your business objectives. Sorry to disappoint you. You see, your primary objective as a leader is to make your people more valuable. Think about the byproduct of making your people more valuable. You achieve your business objectives faster. And to make your people more valuable and achieve more through others, it starts with making yourself more valuable. And that is by becoming a transformational leader and coach. And in order to do so, unfortunately, I have some bad news to give you. But I also have some good news. So let me share the bad news with you first. Ultimately, avalanches roll downhill. You see, every challenge or problem that you're faced with every single day is your fault. Sorry to disappoint you, but as a coach, I'm not paid to be popular. But wait, I have good news for you. Here it is. You see, the good news is every challenge or problem that you're faced with every single day is your fault. And why is that good news? Because if it is your fault, you have the power to change that. You have the power to influence that. You have the power to transform yourself and your team into true, authentic champions. So to master time management, change truly starts with you. I'll never forget a very quick story to share. Uh, this is several years back, back in 2009. I happened to run into a manager that I used to coach. And we started having a conversation. And I asked her, so how are things going? And her response was, Keith, you know what? Things are finally getting better. Now I'm a coach. I had to ask, so why? What's changed? And her response, which is still so rare to me, is because, Keith, I'm getting better. And isn't that the mantra of everything we've talked about today? If we want our people to change, if we want them to improve, if we want them to be more accountable, if we want them to be more efficient, if we want them to craft a highly effective routine, change starts with us. That is where the law of reciprocity applies. You change first. The byproduct is a change in your team. So as we start wrapping up, I'd like to share with you a few tools and little bonus treats and some bonus materials I'd like to share with you. Number one, if you jump on my website at keithrosen.com, you could download the eight steps to creating a coaching culture. That's number one. It's the ebook. Uh, it'll give you a great foundation. If you haven't already and you're looking for some other tools and templates, it's loaded with them. The second thing is if you go to ownyourday.com, which is the book I just released, you can download three free chapters of my new book, Own Your Day. After all, if you own your day, you own your life. So as a last point I'd like to drive home, before we start wrapping up into our conclusion, if you want a great life, it's really simple. 
Schedule 1. So here we are. We're at the conclusion, but really, this is where it all starts, right? This is where you are on the path to win. So now what? Well, I have a question for you. There are three rabbits on a log. One rabbit decides to hop off. How many are left? Well, the answer is three. You see, the reason why is because there's a difference between deciding and doing. We can all decide at the end of this webinar, oh my gosh, you did some cool tips. I can totally see how they could work for me. I can see how they could work for my team. I can see how important it is and how it can really make me more efficient every day. And then reality hits you, you get the next text or the next email, and you're back to your old habits. You have to choose and you have to decide to take action at the end of our time together and make the changes you need to do both in action and in your thinking to truly start owning and mastering your day. So then, how do you transform talent and change a culture? Well, the low-hanging answer, of course, is through coaching. See, the, the easiest time management tip I can offer any manager is, if you coach more and you coach more effectively, you work less. Because if you're coaching effectively and you've given up your role of chief problem solver and you've actually empowered your people to do their job and to self-assess and come up with the answers on their own, they're not going to be as reliant on you anymore. It's going to build their confidence, it's going to build their independence, and it's going to build their accountability. So that's one way you change a culture. How else? One person at a time. One conversation at a time. That's how you change a culture. Because otherwise, as big as your company may be, thinking about changing a culture can be overwhelming. It's like turning a battleship. Conversely, if you think about transforming talent and changing a culture, do it by one person at a time. So, in conclusion, don't forget the ABCs of leadership, which is, of course is to always be coaching. And to add to that, now you have the tools and the conversation you need to start coaching people around their time so they could maximize and own their day as well. And as I said earlier, when you own your day, you own your life. For those of you who have any questions, feel free to email me anytime at Keith1 at KeithRosen.com. And I thank you and wish you all extreme success. What we're going to do now is spend a few minutes. This is your time now for a quick Q&A. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot them over. And Patrick will begin to moderate them. Yes, again, thank you, Keith. If, um, if you have some time, um, please feel free to uh, type in some questions in the question box. If you need to run at this time, jump on another call. We totally understand. But this is a great opportunity to ask direct questions of Keith around any of the information he presented today. And while you're, you're typing in a couple things to, um, to update you on, as Keith mentioned, three free copies of Own Your Day and of Coaching Salespeople and the Sales Champions will be coming to you in a follow-up email that will go out today. Also, a couple other articles around uh, time management as well in there. And we will not be having any leadership learning series or market uh, uh, marketplace learning series calls in July. So we will return those in August, and we look forward to catching you there as well. So a couple questions coming into the box here. Keith, I will ask you one. Uh, what's the biggest pitfalls of moving from unplanned to routine that discourages people from sticking to it? 
there's a few things there, and, I, and thank you very much for that question. Uh, first and foremost, I mentioned before about being an adrenaline junkie, and I wish I had more time because this really would require a couple of hours to get through this conversation. What I find, and this to me is a global epidemic, most managers and most salespeople I run into are adrenaline junkies. And of course, there's degrees of adrenal, adrenaline junkies just like there are degrees of alcoholics. But the point is, adrenaline is an energy source that we tap into. An example of that is waiting until the last minute to get something done. Um, being someone who resists boredom. Being someone that resists developing a routine. Um, those are the things that are signs that you might be an adrenaline junkie and enjoy the rush. So we need to get off the adrenaline train and the rush we get from that and we need to be more consistent. You see, the thing with adrenaline is when, when it's like a roller coaster. The highs are high, but then you crash. So what I'm looking for for you is to have greater consistency in your day, in your activities, and ultimately in your results. So if you shift away from adrenaline, the alternative energy source is momentum. And having that level of consistent momentum throughout your day by having those time blocks, by honoring a routine, by actually working through people in their mindset about you know, where do you tap into your energy source? You know, what's your relationship with adrenaline? It's a great question to ask people. And I guarantee some of them will say, I can't live without it. And it's what gets me going all day. That's a coaching moment right there. The other thing that gets in the way is just simply the belief that it can't be done. So many managers go through this and they say, Keith, you don't understand my business. There are so many things that are going on all the time. There are so many conflicting priorities. Priorities are changing every day. I'm getting pulled into a million different directions. Remember what I said earlier. We talked about it. If you're planning effectively for the unplanned, if you're building that buffer time into your day, you are now being proactive in your day rather than spending your day being highly reactive and reacting to one fire or challenge to the next. So if you notice here, it's not just about strategy, but it's really about the inner game of time management as well. We have to change the way we think about time management. We have to change our relationship with time. And it's one thing to change how you're doing things. That's only part of the equation. That's only part of developing a champion. We also need to change the way how we think. And I want to add a very uh, important point here, is that managers, and I'll raise my hand as a recovering perfectionist myself, have a tendency to be perfectionists. And a lot of time a manager, they'll, they'll say, OK, Keith, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll structure my routine. And the first week goes by, and, they, and a manager who I'm coaching might call me up and say, Keith, it was an abomination. I didn't honor any of my routine. And I would ask them, really? You didn't honor any of your routine? And they would say, well, if I was to be realistic, it, I probably honored about 10% of it. You know what I would say next to that manager? Congratulations. Because they now are 10% more efficient and effective than they were the week before. So I think one of the biggest traps around honoring and developing a highly effective routine is realizing, number one, Hear me when I say there is no such thing as a perfect routine. And number two, honor the learning curve. This is new for you. It's new for your people. The first week, they may be only able to honor it 5% of the time. Acknowledge that as a win. And they may need to make adjustments, just like you may need to make adjustments. Some of the things or tasks that you put into your routine might take longer or shorter, or maybe you didn't account for as much unplanned time as you needed. 
And the following week, you honor it 10%. And the week after that, you honor it 20%. And before you know it, you're up to about 70% of honoring your routine. Well, to me, with the bell curve, you're at 100%. Because now you are 70 to 80% more efficient, more effective, and more proactive in your day rather than reactive. And that is the reason why I entitled my book, Own Your Day, Not React to Your Day. Thanks for that question. All right, we had a good one come in here just talking about, uh, we talked about this a little bit this morning as well. What are some of the ways to get, you get someone that's been a very high performing representative in the past, uh, how do you get them to understand scheduling and routing as we talked about this morning? You know, we have representatives that have done things the same way for 10 people, called on the same position every Tuesday at 9.30 for 10 years now, but that needs improvement at this time. Uh, they feel that it works. It's worked in the past for them, uh, but I'm working with partners as well, and sometimes my schedule doesn't actually help my partner. It just helps me. Got it. Well, there is that saying, mediocrity is the devil's playground. One of the things that I always coach uh, leaders on as well as salespeople is, listen, when I'm in front of you and I'm coaching you, whether I'm coaching you one-on-one -on -one or I'm, I'm doing uh, delivering one of my programs, I use this example that, listen, I'm sharing stuff with you that you've never tried. I'm not here to tell you what you already know. So in essence, if you're right-handed, I'm tying your right hand behind your back, and I'm asking you to write left-handed for the next two days, and quite frankly, for the rest of your career, and eventually you'll become ambidextrous. So the point I'm making here is that people, they do resist change, don't they? And they always push back on change because what they do is a known quantity. They can predict that if the way they've been doing it for the last 10 years, well, if I do it this way, it's going to produce the, a very consistent result that I can expect. You start changing the rules in the middle of the game, I don't know what to expect. Now I have to take a leap of faith. So before you can start coaching people and asking them the questions that I posed earlier that you can leverage in a coaching conversation, you need to enroll them in change. I write about this in my coaching book, Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions. It is the most critical component to create alignment and buy-in around any change you want your people to make. So if you think of it this way, most managers, when they're coaching people, need to understand that when you are coaching someone, and again, I don't often talk in absolutes, coaching is always about the coachee. It's their agenda, whether they run to you because they have a burning issue and it's situational coaching or it's a scheduled one-on-one -on -one coaching session. The agenda is always driven by the coachee. Now, I'm a realist. I also know that as leaders, we have agendas at times. We need people to change things, try things, do things differently, Okay, change the way they are thinking. Maybe there's a, a change in HR, maybe there's a change in process. Maybe there's a change in strategy in the marketplace, and we need to adapt. You could play the power card and you could say, listen, you need to change the way you're doing things. And the person's going to respond to you and say, well, why, boss? And you could say, well, because I told you so. And you know what? That'll work, but they're not bought in. So what you'll find is a high degree of resistance or inconsistent results using that level of authority as the manager over your direct. But there is a better way. and The better way is enrolling them. And as, as much as I, was, as I wish we had more time to do a deep dive on this, I'm going to give you the very three simple steps to enrollment here. Is number one, here's what we're doing. 
well, you got that down as managers, right? Here's what we're doing. This is the change that's, that's happening. So just go do it. We're missing the other two parts of the equation. You see, here's what we're doing is the first part. Here's why we're doing it is the second part. And here's the most important part. Here's what's in it for you. So you imagine this. See, here's, here's, here's you, right? Here are your business objectives that you need to achieve, right? That's your agenda. But everyone in a perfect world has their own goals, personal goals, career goals. Imagine if you are able to align each person's personal and career goals with your business objectives or the changes that you need to have them make. Now you have everyone focused on a shared vision and a shared goal. But the only way you can do that is by connecting what is most important to them with the changes that you're asking them to make. In other words, you need to align their agenda with your agenda. And you need to make sure that you are tapping in to what truly inspires and motivates them to come to work every day. And quite frankly, which is a whole other conversation, if you haven't asked them what does get them out of bed, what inspires them, what motivates them, what their core values are, how they like to be motivated, how they like to be managed, even how they like to be held accountable, you have no idea. You're making some very costly assumptions. And the greatest assumption is, well, if you do this, don't you want to make more money? Well, money's not always the, you know, the universal motivator. So that's why enrollment is so critical. Because when you enroll people in your agenda, you're now weaving in what you need them to do with the benefit they will realize themselves. Thanks for that question. Yeah, absolutely. So that looks like uh, that, was, that was it. And we're approaching an hour here. So I want to make sure that we... Um wrap up and again thank you thank you Keith we appreciate your time and the extra time here at the end and to everyone who took the time to jump on today thank you so much uh, we know you have a busy day this has been my joke uh, all, all month is that if you were too busy to attend this webinar then you should attend this webinar so uh, thank, thank you for being on have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you soon